0: You're listening to the Bill Sunday School Podcast. If you're done greeting, you can turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 14. John chapter 14, this is a, a narrative where Jesus is talking with his disciples. And it's a, it's a very clear passage where Jesus says, um, The Father's in me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And it's, so it's one of these passages where Jesus is obviously claiming divinity. And so John 14, starting in verse eight, we're kind of like jumping in about halfway into this conversation where Philip says, Lord, he's talking to Jesus, Lord, show us the father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone that has seen me has seen the father you see that statement? That's huge. That's a bold declaration. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then how can you say, show us the Father? Don't, don't you believe that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, that the Father is in me, or at, be, at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Let's pray. Jesus, we do worship you as God, that we fully give our lives to you because you are, you are God and you are our creator. But you, you did come to this earth and you, you sacrificed, you, you humbled yourself and became one of us so you, so you know exactly what it is like to live life like one of us and go through seasons of joy or sorrow or, or pain So, Jesus, we worship you. We say that you are God. We're we're here. We're ready to learn more about you and and receive more of who you are inside of our lives. We worship you and praise you, Jesus. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Um, Is anybody in this picture? Anybody even know what that is? That's a picture from 2006, meal mission trip to China. I was there. I'm in the front with an orange cool shirt on. Anybody else was there? No one else is in that picture? Ah, not even one. Anyways, so um, we, we went to China in 2006 with the Mill Missions. I guess that makes me really old or something, I don't know. Um, and uh, we went to different parts, Beijing, um, I- inward uh, in China, south of China. I got to go to Tibet, which is on the border of... Uh, Nepal and China, it's this region, very mountainous region, uh, very religious people there. Um, They're Tibetan Buddhists. Here's a lady with a Tibetan Buddhist uh, walking stick with a prayer wheel on it. These things are kind of cool, at least in the idea that you can... Be doing something while you're doing nothing. Um, it's this idea that you, uh, there's this wheel, and you can see there's like balls on the end of this wheel, and she's swinging it. It's like wait, and so on the inside there's like all these scriptures written on um, uh, on the inside, like paper inside the wheel, and so you spin it, and like you're, you're like supposedly saying the prayers or saying the scriptures as the ball is moving, and so you're walking and yet doing. Prayers like you're doing two things at once and you're being more religious because in tibetan buddhism You have to work off your bad things do more good things to somehow equalize your life So that the bad things you have done will be covered over with good things and other things that tibetan buddhists do is they They do prostrations. I took this picture when I was in tibet in downtown lhasa. There's a very uh, big um temple, very holy. It's called the Jokong Temple. And so people will lay down and all the way, get on the ground, lay down and then stand all the way up and do a prostration. That'd be one. And they do thousands of these per day to work off some of their bad things that they've done in their life. And you can see, maybe you can't from the picture, uh, I don't know how clear it is, but the, the ground there, the stone is just like smoothed, polished because people would lay down and like rub their bodies or their clothing on the rock and it would just get shiny year after year, day after day hundreds of people uh, around this temple um, either with prayer wheels walking around it or uh, doing prostrations. Here's somebody with their socks. I took a picture of that just like how worn their clothing is from doing this day in and day out. And while I was watching these people do this, taking pictures, I uh, me, it was me and another guy from the mission trip. Um, we were hanging out and we met a monk. And the monk came up to us and said, hey, can I practice my English on you? Can we have a conversation?" and we were like, yeah, sure, why not, you know, because um, you, you, you meet people that are learning English, but they don't have anyone to speak English with, they saw us, white people, and it just assumed we spoke English, and so, of course, we did, so he wants to practice his English on us, and we began talking, we're like, so, sweet clothes, you know, Are you a are you a monk, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm a monk, and he talked about how He became a monk and how you have to do extra prostrations uh, for days, like thousands of prostrations a day for like weeks on end to purify yourself and to, to overcome the bad things that you've done in your life. And he asked us like what, who we are. And I, I get into a lot of like random, weird spiritual conversations because a common question people ask you is, what do you do? And then what I do is I'm a pastor. And so I'm like, I'm a pastor. And then you can say, oh, I know a pastor once or uh, whatever. The conversation just goes somewhere. And so and so it said, I was a Christian, I was a pastor. And he said, oh, so, you know. And so we got into this, somehow we got into this theological question of, you know, how do, how do we atone for our sins? Do we do things like prostrations or prayer wheels to overcome the bad things that we've done in our life? And we got to share uh, the gospel with this this monk. And I don't think he really understood like he was just so entwined in, in with the Tibetan Buddhism and studying that they just didn 't understand this idea of grace that jesus um was was more than a prophet he He kept saying like, "Oh yeah, Jesus is a prophet like the prophet Buddha we're like no he 's He's more that we believe he's God. And he was like, took a look at us and like, you believe he was God? Yeah, that's what we believe. And it it just kind of went back and forth. And I think we probably just confused him more than anything because it was just, it was like two different worlds. You know, you're communicating the gospel of Jesus to someone that has probably heard about it, but heard about it in a different way where they just thought Jesus was a prophet. And after the conversation, you know how whenever you like leave a conversation or debate, you're like, man, I should have said that. Um, as soon as I, we left the conversation, we were like, man, we should have just said like this idea that like Jesus had done the prostrations for us, that you do have to pay off the bad things that you've done. That, that is somewhat correct, but it's, you can't do it on your, on your own. You can't do enough prostrations to overcome, um, you know, the bad things that you've done because God is perfect. And we, we I was like, man, I should have said that. Like should have said that somehow Jesus was God so that he could fully save us and that his prostrations or his prayer wheels or whatever are more than what we can do and so all you need to do is believe on him because today what we're talking about is we're continuing our our talk on christology and we're talking about jesus seems like a very uh, uh good topic for sunday school seems like a good topic for the month of december and the main point if you're writing down main points is that when we look at jesus we understand who god is because jesus and this whole lesson today will the, just to give you an oversight of where we're going. Jesus is 100 percent God, 100 percent man at the same time. So I have the very first thing. Uh, actually, before we, I, I jump into the quote on the, on the back of the sweet quote of the day, uh, just a few announcements. If you're newish, you can fill out one of these. It's a visitor card. They should be on most of the tables. You could fill that out. Give it to the cool, nice people in the lobby as you leave. They'll give you a CD. It's like a welcome CD from the mill on Friday nights. It's a worship CD. It's a little gift. And by the way, if you haven't been to the mill on a Friday night, that's our main meeting. There is mill this Friday, and then there'll be uh, two weeks of no mill. Sunday school, we're, we're meeting all month and all January, except for uh, the day after Christmas. So if you're wondering, when are we meeting? When are we canceling? We're meeting unless it's the day after Christmas. Got it? So when are we meeting? Every time, except the day after Christmas. Got it? You look like you got it. Okay, sweet. Um, any other announcements? I think, we're, I think we're good here. Yeah, we're talking about Jesus. Last week we talked about the historical Jesus. Today we're going to get into some theology. Anybody like theology? Yes, me too. Uh, here's a theological statement by a theologian, one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright. He's, he's living today, writing many books, um, kind of... Uh, just kind of really growing in popularity and his quote which is the quote on the back of the skillet the sweet quote of the day says this it's kind of a hard quote to understand so i'll try to read it in such a way to help you understand it but it says christology which is the study of christ does not assume a meaning for the word god basically like who is god and you wonder who god is he's like oh the god is this and you don't do that if you, you let me re- reread it. Christology does not assume a meaning for the word God and then fit Jesus into that. It looks long and lovingly at Jesus and then says we need to rethink what we mean by God. Which is this very cool quote that says, a.k.a. if you're confused about who God is, if you're confused like who is God and does he, you know, is he this or is he that, understand Jesus first and then you'll understand who God is and, and who we define God as Jesus is is the best example for God because he is God and he was one of us he was a human being so this idea that that you understand who God is by looking at Jesus is just this profound profoundly simple christian idea that yes jesus is in fact god and he's a human so we can understand who god is by looking at jesus and we don't pre-understand oh our who god is yeah i got it i understand god and we try to throw jesus into the god box no this quote which i love so much says we understand who jesus is and then from that we understand who god is and of course, the two natures of Jesus, what we're talking about today, yeah. that he is God and that he is man, is is very important to Christology, obviously. Uh, I think I've taught this lesson, I was thinking yesterday, I think in the course of Mill Sunday School, we've been doing Mill Sunday School since 2004, uh, quite a few years now, I think I've taught this lesson maybe three, this may be the fourth time I've taught this lesson. I always kind of switch it up a little bit, um, but it's so important for us to fully understand that Jesus is God and man and the ramifications that go with that. And what's kind of cool is there's two holidays, two big holidays in the Christian calendar. What are they? Christmas and Easter, C and E. Uh, and so the time of the years when, like, everybody comes to church, even if you're not a Christian, you're like, oh, sweet, I come to church. That's just what you do. Um, and Easter is, of course, when we celebrate resurrection. And, and that's seemingly uh, just a simplified way of looking at this, a simplified way of saying, oh, Easter is the occasion in which we celebrate Jesus as God. And we see like, the resurrection. Oh, he was God. He was clearly God. And then on the other hand, um, Christmas seems to be lend itself towards, oh, that's when we really celebrate that, that, that God became man, that Jesus was a human being. And we'll talk about how he was born in, in very humble means, and he was placed in a manger, and it's very humble settings of God coming to earth one of my pet peeves is when preachers say he was born in a manger. He wasn't born in the manger. I mean, I don't know, literally, like, that, that's just awkward. You can't do that. He was born and then wrapped in some clothes and then placed in a manger. Anyways, I'll hear, I hear it all the time, and I'm just like, man, no, it, he wasn't born in it. He was placed in it. That'd just be weird. I don't even, I've, I've only experienced one, like, birth I was in India, and, like, I'm a doctor, but I'm, I'm not a real doctor. Like, I it's like studied theology, and but I, they thought I was a doctor, because I said I was. And they're like, oh, come on in. They need some help. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, it's a long story. Not for here. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, <laughs> anyways... Um, we get this idea at, at around christmas which is just such a good idea to have that that god truly became a human being and we have pictures of the nativity of jesus born in very humble circumstances that he became a human that god became a human And then we ask questions maybe off of that that are sometimes silly questions because it's just like, oh, because we we deify Jesus, which we should. He is God. We deify him so much so that sometimes we forget that he was truly human. So maybe we ask silly questions like, oh, was Jesus truly tempted? It's like, yeah, well, he's he's a human. It's like, well, did Jesus get nervous around girls as a teenager? It's like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, he's a human. Like, did Jesus ever have gas? And it's like... Like we just laugh at those questions because it 's like he was human, like did Jesus ever sneeze it 's like, well, duh, you know he 's human that 's just part of the human experience to to go through those feelings of sadness and temptation, etc, and bodily functions, and it's just like duh, of course he did. But, but it's funny to think about because, of course, he was God at the same time. And so I want to ask a question that we, we know, uh, at least if you've been coming to uh, any type of church or Sunday school, you know that the, the, the right answer when talking about Jesus is Jesus is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Have you heard that before? Raise your hand. Of course, it's just like what we say. It's the answer to who Jesus is. He's 100% God and 100% man. And I want to ask a question, and the question will will lend itself towards discussion in in a few minutes. Um, And the question is this, that that really lends itself to a practical application of, was he truly human? Was he truly God? And the question is, could Jesus have sinned? And I want to be clear that I'm not asking, did Jesus sin? The answer to did Jesus sin would be, no, silly goose, of course not, he didn't. Um, uh, no, that's what we believe, he did not sin, he lived a perfect life. Uh, Hebrews four fifteen says, we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is an, a, unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. So we believe Jesus was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. So the question is not, did he sin? The question is, could he have sinned? And so before we discuss this, um, if, if we preface our terms, if he was human, if he was, you could add the word truly in there, if he was truly, if he was 100% human, and if he was truly or 100% God, then then you have to answer, out, answer that question out of those two things. So if he was truly human, uh, the temptation was real because humans receive temptation and said Jesus was tempted uh, by the devil and then and, and just said he was tempted in Hebrews, the verse we just read. But if he was God, then sin would be impossible. And what I mean by that is, if our definition of sin is disobeying God, then, then God can't disobey God. It's like, if, if God was to do something that was sin, and he did it, then that which was sin wouldn't be sin anymore, by definition, because sin is a rebellion against God. Does that make sense? I have this weird example. It's just silly, I guess. But it's like, okay, if you wear a black leather jacket, that means you're a bad boy, right? Like a like cool bad. Like, yeah, I'm bad. It's like, man, he's a bad guy. Bad guys wear black leather jackets, right? But what if God started wearing a black leather jacket? Like Jesus was wearing a black leather jacket. We have pictures of Jesus in a black leather jacket then by definition, it's like, oh, that's what good people wear. That's the holy clothing. And so black leather jackets would then be the holy, r- righteous thing to wear. Does that example just confuse you? Or hopefully it helps in some way. In, in my head, it helps me. So so if so if if Jesus was 100% human, then of course he was truly tempted. He could have sinned. But if he was truly God, then then maybe he couldn't have sinned because by definition, he couldn't have sinned. And so what I want you to do is to uh, discuss this. And I would love for you to choose a yes or a no instead of like, oh, I'm going to take the middle ground on this. And it's so easy to take the middle ground uh, on lots of different issues. But I would rather, because of the short time that we have to discuss, choose like, I think he could have sinned. Or no, he could not have sinned. Choose a side and and discuss it and, and maybe bring scriptures if you have scriptures on your mind or um, ideas literally to the table at which you're sitting. So, so discuss, and if you're a bigger table, look around and, and invite people to your table. Be nice uh, and friendly. This is Mill Sunday School, not a debate club. Um, so discuss the question, could Jesus have sinned? Ready, get set, go. Let's have a big vote first, and then if, you're, if you feel comfortable enough, uh, there'll be mics and you could say uh, what you think uh for all of us to hear but if if you do think jesus could have sinned so if you are yes raise your hand all the yeses okay and now if you're no if you're no like no way jesus could not have sinned raise your hand Noes. so it looks like the yeses win but uh and it looks like the majority didn't vote which is america for you um (laughs) But uh, let's let's hear from you. So uh, raise your hand. I think there's um, some mic people people with mics. Um, m- maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll. Sh- I guess just share. I just share. I was going to organize it and structure some way, but just go ahead. So Jesus could have sinned because
1: if he did something wrong enough, then we would still consider sin. Sin was defined before he came here. Okay. And if you change something enough, it doesn't make it the same thing you know if you say oh well when you murder someone it's no longer sin it's still sin right
0: Uh, okay because the the definition of sin was already pre-established before he came he could have for instance killed someone plus the fact that he can sin makes it that much more valuable that he didn't yeah good (laughs) Clapping. Uh, i think we'll go over here and then and then over there yes
1: Okay, what we've got when we start asking that question is a paradox. It's like if you've ever heard the question, "Can God create a rock so big He can't lift it?" You're just looking for something that God can't do. But you see, the problem that is when you when you come and you ask the question, "Can Jesus sin?" is Jesus is God, and God is greater than everything, even greater than sin. Therefore, we derive our morality and what is right and wrong. Based on the character and the nature of God, so even if He were to <clears throat> theoretically, we know He didn't and He wouldn't, but right? even if He were to do something that was sin, then by the definition and nature of what we describe as sin as being disobedience to God, God cannot disobey Himself. So you run into a paradox.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yes, over here, and and then.
1: All right, uh, kind of what we said at our table is. So when God came down in the form of man, he was given the ability to have free will. So without free will, sin doesn't really mean anything. Like There's no value in us actually worshiping God because we're just pretty much robots. So when God came down as a human, he took on the uh, ability to have free will. So he did have the ability to sin. Um, However, for him to be the perfect sacrifice, he had to be able to overcome that sin. And the nature of God that was within him gave him the ability to do that so he's like a twofer so number one yeah he was able to do it but two the reason why he's able to do it is so number one he could be an example to us and it says in the bible that he can uh, sympathize with what we're going through and that's why he was able to do it because he had free will and he had the opportunity to sin. but he the part of him that was god was able to overcome the sin because he knew it was right and he had that communion with himself so
0: yeah it's good it's good Yes, Uh, this this young man. uh, Yes, in the back, and then. Um, When you look at the definition of temptation, it is, you know, it's. If you're being asked to do something that you physically cannot do, then it's not temptation to do it. So. By definition. By definition of
1: the word temptation. um, He could have. He would have been able to, but he
0: chose not to. Good. Yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, our table
1: sided with Satan,
0: so we assumed figuratively. Yes, because we actually
1: think <laughs> Satan actually did attempt to uh, to get Jesus to sin. So we figured if Satan thought it was possible, we thought so too. So we sided with Satan.
0: See. <laughs> Thank God, it's clapped for that. Anybody else? One more. We good? Yes. One more in the very back middle, and and then um and then I'll. But then we'll have story time, which will be quite fun. <clears throat> okay, I was going off what he said when he said, um, talking about that he was fully human so he could be tempted, but God can't be tempted. So if he was fully God and man, man can be tempted, but God can't. So I'm just really confused at <laughs> what's going on. So I don't have a point. I'm just saying it's just I'm confused. That's, that's, a, that's a good place to be, I think. Um, for right now, I I think I'll give um, I want to give at least the answer that I've come uh, that that I've read about and the theologians have given to this question, which is a great question. But but to get there, we have to go into a story time, um, and then we'll we'll get back to this question: Could Jesus have sinned? In a minute. But first, story time. Are you, are you watching. Look at this. I spent all day on this PowerPoint. Watch this. Story time with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. Made that myself. So uh, story time begins with this, the Council of Nicaea. And the Council of Nicaea happened a long time ago, and it's very important for us. I know it's probably like, oh, the Council of Nicaea, these big words and these big historical events that have happened in Christianity. It's easier just to let your eyes glaze over and not just be like oh, this isn't that important but it is extremely important because that it's at this uh council where we officially wrote down i think we had written down before and there's the apostles creed predates this but this is where we 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 argued it out and really argued against this idea that jesus wasn't fully god which we'll get to in a second so story time begins with the council of nicaea this this council that happened in uh 325 a.d The council where about 300 bishops from around the known world were given uh, uh, funds enough to travel to the city of Nicaea. It's the city in what is today Turkey. They met there and they, they came up with a creed, which was a very hard thing to do to get Christians to like, Okay, we believe this. But let's write it down in such a way as to use the language uh, that's very concise and and proper. and, And let's use the language to write down what we believe in a creedal form. And so that's what happened at the Council of Nicaea. They decided on a few things, but of course, then they came up with this this creed, which we still say today it's at the end of Bill Sunday School, we're actually going to say it together. I'm sure you've said it in church before because it's, it's just one of those creeds that is so powerful, so well written about what it is we believe. And at this creed, at the, excuse me, at the council when they were writing the creed, there was a group of about 300 bishops. And at the head of the bishops was this guy named Athanasius. Kind of looks like Santa Claus, not to be confused with Santa. This is Athanasius, a real person, um, and Athanasius kind of stood up for the majority of the council. And Athanasius um, is this the kind of guy that y- y- you would agree with, uh, the, the kind of guy that was arguing that Jesus is, in fact, God. He was representing the entire council. Um, and, and the story is Athanasius was a little boy. Um, and instead of playing, like, cops and robbers or... Uh, um, indians and cowboys he pray played priest and sinners and he would like baptize his friends and preach to them and the story is, is that like some high up Bishop saw that happening and like took Athanasius under his wing. And so Athanasius became, uh, he grew up with his mentor and actually became a bishop of the city of Alexandria, which is in Egypt. But anyways, um, so Athanasius is representing the council and he's saying Jesus is God. Of course he is. And the council, of course, is agreeing. They're saying, yeah, look at scriptures like the one we read today where Jesus says, um, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Uh, Other verses where he says before Abraham was. I am this this Greek construction of the Yahweh term of the Old Testament. Um, he uses the name of God or Jesus says, I am the father I am one. He, he says, so the council is, of course, agreeing and, and allowing Athanasius to be their spokesperson that God that, excuse me, Jesus is God. And then there's another guy. That are kind of like, if you've ever been to a city council meeting, there's always like this one guy that just has every, he always has something to say, and he always is against everything, like the squeaky wheel. And the squeaky wheel at, at this council is a guy named Arius. And, and there's his picture. It kind of looks like a bad guy, not like the good Santa Claus guy, huh? And Arius was, was arguing that Jesus was not fully God, that Jesus was a creation of, of God, which of course is heretical. And he, of course, the the council of Nicaea went with the full council. They went with Athanasius, their spokesperson, and and we'll we'll get to what exactly the creed says. But Arius was arguing that Jesus was a created being, that that somehow God created him as a son, and then he went and, and died for humanity. He was more fully human and not fully God, which kind of goes back to this Um, here's another story within a story to get to the answer of could Jesus sin. It's kind of like that movie Inception, like a dream within a dream. So it gets really confusing. But in the end, you're like, oh, I guess it all makes sense. So hopefully in the end, it'll all make sense. Um, But we'll go back to this um, story, which uh, it's not really a story. It's more of like what we talked about last month. How many of you were here last month, we talked about evolution and creation, and we, we prefaced it with we're, we're all creationists because we believe God created. And, 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 and so if God created, then everything in this world is either one of two things or two stuffs. Everything is either God or his creation. And so there was nothing pre-existing God. God is God. He's eternal. And he didn't have to come from anything. There wasn't Pre-existing God wasn't like a, a law of nature or law of gravity or love. No, God was before all that, and he made everything that is not himself. That's We believe it came from him. Um, which is very different than other pantheistic religions or other religions altogether. Or I think, you know, as a side note, here's a side note within a story, within a story to get back to our answer, Um, Mormons, one of the, I think one of the biggest differences between an evangelical Christian and Mormonism is that Mormons believe that their God was created, that their God was once a human being on the planet Kolob, and then became a God, and then uh, was God over our world. And it was like, whoa, that is so different than what we believe. We believe God is eternal, and everything is either one of two things, either him or his creation. So, brings us back to story A, and and we, so we believe in two stuffs: God and his creation, and maybe there's a line between God and his creation. So, where do you put Jesus And so in at this council, the council of Nicaea between Athanasius and the main majority of council members and this one squeaky wheel guide named Arius, Arius was arguing that Jesus wasn't fully God. So then where do you put him if he's not fully God? And so maybe you could put him on the line. So there's a picture of Jesus on the line, a bridge. Maybe if you you would say, oh, Jesus is half human, half God. He's somehow on the bridge or on the line between God and his creation. Does he go there? It's like, oh, I don't know. Well, does he go below the line? Is God? Is excuse me? Is Jesus just a creation? And maybe he's touching the line of divinity that God created him, gave him some God powers, some divine powers to go and be uh, the sacrifice to to save humankind. Or is he fully God, fully above the line and with God? Where is he? Is is Jesus on the line, under the line, above the line? Uh, where is he? And of course, out of this council, of course, uh, going along with statements that Jesus made about himself, that I and the father am one, before Abraham was, I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. We, of course, put Jesus above the line. He is one in being with God and that the other Jesus is either on the line or below the line, at least the ways of thinking about Jesus in those ways, that's not right. And so if it's not right in a... a, um, a theological sense we would actually call it heresy and so because it's such an important doctrine if someone is saying oh jesus was just created or jesus is a half man half god we would say no 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 that's not what we believe as christians we hold to the nicene creed which which says this and so here's the first part of the nicene creed you've probably heard this before it says we believe in one lord jesus christ the only son of god Eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He was begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. So, so he's in one being. He is the Father. He wasn't made. And, and that's, that's in, in the Greek, the, the language here, which the, the Nicene Creed was originally written in Greek. Um, the, the, the language here is, is the difference between two words. And maybe some of you have heard this before, because it's kind of it's a big deal in our our Christian history, even though it's it's very heady and, and weighty. But the Greek word homousian versus, or excuse me, homousian or the other one on the right is has an I in the middle of the two O's, um meaning uh, the first one means same. Is is Jesus the same? like the same stuff as the father or is he similar stuff with the father? Does he have the full divinity in him or is, is he just man with a little bit of God, similar stuff with God in him? And it's so sometimes the Nicene Creed it's referred to as the iota controversy all over one iota. The difference between these two words in the Greek is simply one I or in the Greek an iota. And so it's called the iota controversy is Jesus, similar with God, or is he the same as God? And of course, we would say he's the same as God. Jesus is 100% God. And and maybe we would refer to this, another big word. I know I'm throwing lots of big words at you, figuratively, but um, they're good words to know. They're theological words. They come with a lot of explanation. And so um, this, this word, it's actually a phrase, the hypostatic union is, um, in the Greek, the hypo um, and stasis means that it's that which lies beneath. That's, that is that is that which is the basis, the foundation for. And so the basis, the foundation for Jesus is that he is God, 100% and man, 100%. And so to, to give you a definition, if you wanted to write it down, the hypostatic union is a theological term used with reference to, The incarnation. Incarnation, yet another big word, meaning God becoming flesh. Um, Theological term used in reference to the incarnation to express the revealed truth that in Christ, one person exists in two natures, the divine and the human. And so we get this this concept, this very weighty concept, and with it all its big words, the hypostatic union, the incarnation, the the, the same nature uh, uh, as God, we get this idea that Jesus is one person, and yet he had two full natures inside of him. He was fully God and fully man, and that, refer, that, that big word, hypostatic union, if you want to use that in a sentence, that's what you're describing. You're describing that he is 100% God and 100% man, at the very same time. So going back to the original, original question of the Sunday school day, could Jesus have sinned? And it's, and it's this, this, um, we went back and forth in here and there's arguments either way, but I, I think it's, 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 it is a paradox like Matthew shared that, that like, it's, I always think it's weird when someone's like, uh, what's your ethnicity? And, and they'll, they'll say something like, well, I'm half Irish and I'm half Native American and I'm also half Jewish as well, you know, and you're like, what? That's three halves. That doesn't work out. You can't be half, what did I just say, Jewish, half Native American, and half Irish. It doesn't make any sense. You're one person. It has to equal up to 100%, unless you had two moms or something, and that doesn't make sense either, um, and it's just like, no, you're one person, and it has to, you. who you are has to equal to 100%, but with Jesus... Um, the, this very interesting thing happens and the hypostatic union does refer to the mystery of how one person can have two distinct natures be 100% God and yet at the same time be 100% um man. And so it it doesn't make sense. It is a mystery of how those two things can both be. But, but to put it this way, uh could Jesus have sinned if he was human? Um the answer of course would be kind of a yes. Like humans are truly tempted could a human sin of course because a human has free will and a human was, was truly tempted and you look at all those verses and so you answer the question yes but if he was really god then you have to answer the question no because god can't disobey god that, that's not a part of who he is that's and by definition the it, the definition of what sin was would would change and so it's almost like this, um, and so my answer to this question is, of course, paradoxical because the question itself is paradoxical, and how one person can have two natures is, of course, paradoxical. So it's paradox within a paradox within a paradox, which is more confusing than the movie Inception, which I saw last night. <laughs> so, to answer the question, um, could Jesus have sinned? It's almost like you have to answer it twice. And so you, you you like stand in one place and you say, if Jesus was totally human, 100% human, then yes, he was truly tempted and yes, he could have sinned. And then, and then you just have to answer the question again. So it's like you get into another place and you say, because he was 100% God, of course he could not have sinned. And so it's, it's answering, you just have to answer the question twice. You have to truly answer the question each time because Jesus was truly, fully both human and divine at the same time. So I know it's a paradoxical answer. And so um, for any of you that raised your hands, either yes or no, you're both right. Everybody's right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird way to end Sunday school, huh? Um, but but let's look at... Um, we, this is a, a famous painting of Rembrandt. This is the, the, the incarnation of Jesus. This is the nativity scene where Where Jesus is placed in a manger and, and people come to visit him, the shepherds are there. and And what's so amazing about Jesus is is I know we've talked about all these big words today and these theological characters and, and some history. But here's the here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's why this talk is important. And, and maybe you don't have all the the history down right, and you maybe you couldn't tell you know use the hypostatic union in a sentence correctly. But here's the big deal. Here's what you, you here's why I taught all that today is that that because Jesus is fully God, he's fully able to save us. It, it wasn't just like someone else paid the price for you. It's like oh some other person took my place. But no, Jesus was a a perfect human. And and not only that, he was God himself. So he is fully able to take away your sins. So his death on the cross, because it was God dying on the cross, that is totally sufficient for your sin to be removed from you if you believe on him. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. That's That's how Christianity works. That's how salvation works. Because Jesus... Is fully God, and then at the same time, because Jesus is fully human, then He knows what it is like to live a life. He knows the answer to the question, like, "Man, does God even know how I'm feeling right now? Did God ever lose a friend? Did God ever, um, you know, God just doesn't know me? That that's not true. He does fully know you because He became one of us, and so it's this awesome, awesome." theological position where we'd say jesus is both god and human and because he was god he is fully able to save us because he is human he is fully able to know what it is like to go through what we go through and so all that that is what all that today's lesson boils down to jesus both god and man and so i thought we we could end sunday school by saying um the nicene creed together it's um it's going to be two pages up here, so it's quite long. But I thought we could, why don't we stand and, um, and read this together as, as a symbolic gesture. This is what we believe. This is a creed that, that we stand for. And, and we, as Christians, unite together. And we, we believe this. We, we read this with the with, uh, with statement of this is, this is what we believe about Jesus. It goes into who he was, how things were made. It goes into the Holy Spirit, who God is, how salvation works. And so it's the Nicene Creed. Let's read it together. It says, We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made. Through him all things were made. For us... And for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end so god we stand as as christians believing that you jesus are god we worship you as god you are god jesus and we are just so taken aback so humbled so honored so amazed that you would come to this earth as one of us that you became incarnate or was born on this earth in, in such humble means but we worship you fully as god So, Jesus, we worship you. We love you. We thank you for the salvation that you've given to us. We worship and praise you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, friends, you're officially.